May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. Define irony. A bald man gets to pro proclaim the good news to you that not a hair on your head will be harmed. All joking aside, that gospel that you just heard Father Joe read to us, what it's like having a strong cup of spiritual black coffee this morning. I remember this past week, kind of my normal rhythm was thrown off as we got to celebrate and remember the holiday on Monday of our veterans, and my family and I had some activities and didn't do anything ministry-wise, just spent some time with them. And then Tuesday morning, right before our Bible study at staff that we do every Tuesday at 10 o'clock, that's the gospel we looked at. I got into some of the commentaries on it, and it was just kind of a like that first taste of bitter black coffee. It's like, oh, hard to swallow, but by the end, the coffee kicks in and you're feeling good. So that's where the gospel takes us. That's the journey that we are on this morning. Much like that, it's a spiritual black cup of coffee. Some of it on the surface is going to look very hard to handle and may even take us to places, uh, to dark places, to get in touch with that. But there is hope and there is good news in those last two lines that, that our gospel finishes off with today. In both the hair on your head comment as well as in your endurance your souls will be saved. So we got to do some contextual work to set us up for this journey that Luke takes us on today. Now we have Luke chapter 21, but what has happened leading up to this seemingly bizarre and hard story to hear, the triumphal entry has just happened. Jesus has ridden into Jerusalem facing what would be at the end of the week his trial, his death, and ultimately his resurrection. As he arrives on that Monday of what we remember in Holy Week, he has presented himself on the Temple Mount, and he has begun to teach and to begin to do ministry. And he was traveling in that week, in the beginning of the week, he was staying in Bethany, but traveling often to Jerusalem to do all of the things that would lead up to his trial. And what we have in Luke 21 today is also found in Matthew 24. It is known as the Olivet Discourse. And I will let you know why as we continue into the contextual setup of what we consider this morning. So that Monday comes in Holy Week. And Jesus has been there on the temple. Tuesday rolls around. He has thrown all of those that are uh, selling things, and he turned over the tables. And then he had conflicts with the Herodians, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. We heard about one of these stories last week as all of these three groups had posed questions to Jesus that were trying to discredit his message. He had gone through that Right before uh, what we have today, he has even taught his disciples with the story of the woman and her two mites in giving and the importance of giving that leads us up to the opening line we have today. 
And this is important contextually to see because these are as Jesus is getting ready for the cross. He is preparing his disciples for what life after the ascension will be like. After the resurrection, when the full church and ministry gets turned over to them. And he is saying a lot of end time language that was spoken in, in the prophecies that were to be that were fulfilled and yet to be fulfilled. This is really important to understand and helps make us make sense of what comes next. As Jesus said, he is in Bethany and he, retreat, he has been asked a lot of questions. He retreats to the Mount of Olives, hence the Olivet Discourse, where he begins to answer these, some of these questions he has been asked to his disciples, preparing them for what would be coming in the, in the days ahead and well into the future. That's the opening line we have that Joe read for us. There were many. The disciples included that were looking up at the temple in Jerusalem. If you have never heard about this temple or experienced the ruin for yourself, if you've ever been on pilgrimage going to Jerusalem, or if you'll go with Joe in February and March, you get to stand. And you'll see a lot of models of the temple as it was in its full glory and power. But you stand at the place where the remnant was just guessing how big and beautiful what they are talking about is there. It is the center of power and worship and glory in Jerusalem. This is the second temple that has been rebuilt. And they're sitting there saying and just marveling, look how powerful and beautiful this is. And the, the sobering lines, much like that strong cup of coffee, Jesus tells them as they're looking up at the temple, do you see that? One day that will fall and no stone will be left on another. The destruction will be that powerful. As, they, as the disciples used to be good, God-fearing Jews, most of them, and then as they had dropped everything to follow Jesus, that statement really perks their ears. And even in fear, as they hear that, that temple is going to be destroyed. One day, they have serious questions to ask Jesus. They say, Lord, when is that going to happen, and what will the signs be so we can prepare for that type of destruction? And this, as you flow down the, the gospel and what happens, Jesus starts here in answering those questions on a very, uh, it affects everyone in a large level. And as if you have something else to hold on to below it, little by little, everything that Jesus says the temple's going to be destroyed. There will be false teachers, many, coming at you in the last days, trying to distort the message I have been teaching you over these last three and a half years. And then it goes on from there. You will be given over to synagogues and prisons. You will be tried. There will be earthquakes. There will be famines and much pestilence. And then, as if you could survive all that on your own, on a very personal level, even some of your own family will persecute you and hate you and revile you in my name. We may be asking, where is the hope? Where is the good news in this? That must have been, if you put your feet 
uh, in, you put your feet in the shoes of the disciples, that's how they were feeling. Like that, but here comes that strong interjection of the black coffee and the hope of the resurrection of Christ for us all. If I was to put how the disciples received that information into a very personal story in the, in the here and now or just a few days ago, when I was in sixth grade at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Amarillo, Texas, one thing the sixth grade class always got to do was travel to Washington, D.C., and from a desert flatlander who, who only has one kind of tall building on a very flat landscape where I grew up, flying into Washington and seeing the Capitol building and the pond that leads up to the monument and that towering Washington monument that is there and everything else I got to see while being on the ground there, I was in awe. But if I, if I was to put myself in the story where Jesus is telling the disciples that temple, which is the central life of not just spirituality, but identity, economic power, that's what the symbol of the temple was in Jerusalem, and it will fall one day. It's as if I was that young, blown away 12-year-old, and all of a sudden, the Washington Monument would fall into the pond, and the Capitol building would implode and the rotunda left cracked and crackled. That is what the, just the message that Jesus shakes them with is that type of thing for us today, a center of power, of identity, being an American, that thing in which you put ultimate faith in may one day fail and not be there. Such a sobering thought for us all. But that is the question as we go down what seems to be that list of dreadful things that Jesus is talking about. The central question he is asking is who or what do you put your faith and trust in? And he is trying to show them, put it in me, your Lord and Savior. Trust in me, find salvation by faith through me, by my grace and by my resurrection. And he's pointed out from that large level funneling down to very personal levels, he's asking that question, where do you put your ultimate faith and trust? As we have seen in the news this week, we are asking ourselves similar questions, or we should be, as our country no matter which side you are on impeachment hearings, we have come to that point in this day in history, as well as bringing it down to a very personal level as we see yet another young person in California, a student, for whatever reason, being at such a point of hopelessness, goes into his school on what seems to be his birthday and wants to take the life of his fellow friends and students. We are told by Christ in that question in our gospel this morning, we should expect things like this. They are signs of the end of the age. The end of the age began when Jesus went up and said, I will return again. We have been in the last days since then. And he, he tells them, false teachers may come and tell you, claiming to be, I am the coming Messiah, as we have seen so many throughout history say, I'm the one, David Koresh, and so many others. And yet Jesus says, 
wait on me. Put your faith and hope in me, your trust, and not in these other things that may fail you. And the encouragement begins to build for all of us there. And then there is an invitation offered of all things. As you are in times like that, as we know in the past, today, and even tomorrow into the future, bad times, those headlines either within us or behaviorally outside of us or just in the larger environment around us, those things can come which can cause us to tremble, can cause us heartache, can cause us suffering. But Jesus tells his disciples and tells us today, you can find testimony in those moments. You, when you live your life on the foundation of the faith of his life, his death, and his resurrection, the invitation is there not to shrink back and to be scared. But he tells his disciples in those moments when the brokenness and the sin of the world rear their ugly head, that you can be an instrument of the gospel in those times. He's encouraging them, and that is their encouragement for us. When we can set aside the joke, and that's when he says, awful things that may even take your life can happen to you in this day and age. But fear not. Because of my cross and my resurrection, not a hair on your head will be harmed, even if you lose your life. And from your endurance, you will win your souls. You hear that final line and you realize it is not in our own power that we find that type of endurance. But it is by the grace, the grace of Jesus granted to us in, our in his resurrection that we are also live into the resurrection life where we find that type of endurance to live our lives. I thought it all appropriate to close as we consider this today with the final lines from the hymn, In Christ Alone. Until he returns or until he calls us home, we walk in the power of Christ. All praise and glory be to the one who made the way possible for all of us. Amen.